And um, uh, my home church back in Louisiana, I received a call this week from um, uh, the the chairman there uh, telling me that the pastor is resigning the church. He feels that the Lord is calling him to the mission field. And uh, he was concerned about what to do. And he, he called me. He said, the only guy that we have that seems interested is just a young guy. And I don't know, what do you think about young guys? And I said, well, let me tell you two things. First of all, the ministry takes energy and vision. And, you know, when when we get older, we kind of lose that energy. And we've seen it all, so we don't have any more vision. And uh, But I've told him, I said, and secondly, uh, every preacher, no matter how good he is and how old he is, had to start young. So you don't, uh, and and Paul told Timothy not to... uh, worry about his youth, but to do the best he could. And uh, I'm proud of some of our young men in this church. Uh, Jeff, who, who spoke last week, Jason, who's going to speak Sunday night, and, and Brian and Jeff and other young men in our church. I'm very, I'm very proud to know these young men and very proud to be able to say that, uh, that they're coming up in, in the years in the church and in the leadership. So uh, Brian's going to speak to us tonight, and I don't know about you, but I'm going to listen to every word he has to say. Amen. Great. Well, um, if you would please open your Bibles to John eight fifty six. So I was getting ready this evening, and uh, I asked my boys, so Papa's going to preach tonight. Um, what should I preach about? And Samuel was right there. He said, God! <laughs> and I thought, I can probably work him in. That'll work. That'll work. Of course, they also said I should preach about Adam and Eve and Noah's Ark. Is that right? We'll see if we can work that in, too. So uh, they had an answer right there for me. Um, I want to open this by saying uh, the title that I have for this is God and Man's Relationship with Time. And i got to be honest with you. I don't especially like the topic. Uh, it's a tough topic. It's, it was hard to research. I think it's going to be hard to preach. I don't know if I'm going to do it justice, but I kind of feel like I'm the messenger boy. Uh, uh, God gave you the message, and I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to do my best, and that's all I can hope for. So pray for me. Let's pray right now. I need it. Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for giving us this uh, church to work in. Uh, please be with us right now and uh, um, help me give this message that you've given to me and uh, um, help us uh, enrich our Christian walk. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, if you'll take your Bibles, please stand. Uh, again, it was John eight fifty six. Eight fifty six. Now I have to find it here. Eight. Of course I had it right here before. Oh, well, it would be good to look where the bookmark is, huh? There we go. So what's happening right now is... Uh, the Jews are arguing with Jesus that he must be demon-possessed to be making the claims he's making that he's the Son of God. So at 56, uh, Jesus says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said unto him, Thou art not fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. They then took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out, of, went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. You may be seated. So, 
what I have for uh, you tonight is a message about how God exists outside of time and how that affects us, how that affects uh, um, things like election, predestination, how that affects our view on our own free will. And it's complicated stuff that I'm going to do my best on. Uh, Someone once said that time is how God keeps all things from happening at once, which actually is probably dead on. I mean, when I started doing this research, from our point of view, that is exactly how it works. God created everything, including time, and one of the effects of it is that it keeps everything from happening all at once from our point of view. Now, God, having created time, isn't bound by it in any way. And uh, for him, it all might as well have happened all at once. Uh, So a lot of people struggle with this concept of time because we are people who exist in time, through time, watch things by time. It's very difficult to even use the English language without referring to time in some way or another. Uh, And uh, I think a lot of that struggling with time is what's created a lot of confusion and difficulty with God's sovereignty, specifically about salvation and uh, man's free will. I actually think through this research that we've got both. I actually think that we have free will or a kind of free will all the way through and that God is completely sovereign also both at the same time. And I'll explain where I got that. Um, So my goal here is to clarify that whole issue for you. So my first point is that God lives outside of time. Uh, When I say outside of time, I mean beyond time. I mean... God is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He, uh, uh, he was here before the foundation of the earth. He's going to be here afterwards. The term that's used a lot uh, when I was doing research on it, this is eternally in the present. So like the, the phrase we used before, before Abraham uh, was, I am, which is in the present tense. He didn't say before Abraham was, I was, because... There is no past to God. He said before Abraham was, I am. Um, So, from his point of view, past, present, future, it's all the same thing. And for that matter, we talk about heaven lasting forever and eternity. But, again, from his point of view, an instant, an eternity, same thing. He is beyond that. So, what we have to prove this, well, let me get, before I get to the proofs, the best way I can explain this, uh, I, I tried to get some explanations of how people thought that God looked at time. And I, I, truthfully, I didn't find one that I liked, but I found one that I could modify. There were people that tried to explain it as life and time being a movie. And we watch it as a movie running. Well, the people who described it almost the way I liked it said, well, God is the projectionist. And he's got that film running, and he can go backwards, he can go forwards, he can stop it, he can start it, he can, he can do whatever he wants. I think that's in the right direction, but I actually think what happens is God's the director. He shot the movie. It's in the can sitting on his desk. He doesn't have to look at it from any particular point of view. He knows the whole thing, and it's sitting right there all at once. So that's how I say he's outside of time. Time is sitting there on the desk. He built it. Uh, And uh, uh, he knows it all at once. He doesn't think of the movie, if you want to look at it that way, as a scene-by-scene thing. He knows the whole thing. Uh, And he knows how all the different parts all fit together, and he made it that way. Um, so, proof. Uh, Genesis 1-4. Uh, 
Proof number one is that time is a creation. Uh, by definition, if time is a creation, there's no way God can be bound by it. He, can, he doesn't make rules. that God is only bound by his own nature. Uh, and uh, so anything that he created, he won't be bound by. Uh, Genesis 1, 4, and 5 say, And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So that was the first day. So it's impossible for anybody to say that God didn't create time. If here it was, here's the first day, and, he, and it says right there, it was the first day. Um, there's no point in asking what God did before creation, because there was no time before creation. So there was no before. Um, proof number two is that God refers to himself in the Bible outside of time. Now, I already talked about the one instance where he's talking about, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Um, Later on, in Exodus, uh, when he's talking to Moses, and Moses is complaining and saying, don't send me, I don't want to go, they won't, well, they'll want to know who sent me, who sent me. And God says, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am, he said, um, thus saith Thus thou saith unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. So repeatedly, he is referred to himself in the present tense, and he even went one step further, and he said, that's my name. My name is I am. So what my existence is, is eternal presence. Uh, So that is the second proof that God is outside of time. Now this has some major ramifications. I mean, not only from God's point of view do we not have a before, we don't have an after, uh, but it explains a lot of things that have mystified people over time in the Bible. For example, um, there are references in the Bible to the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the, of the earth or time. Truthfully, I don't have the exact quote. Well, how can that be? Because we know Jesus died on Calvary, so how can they be referring to the lamb that was slain? Well, again, from God's point of view, time isn't an issue. It doesn't matter to him when it happened. It happened, period, done. Um, and the Old Testament, a lot of people, I've heard this asked in forum class, what happened to the Old Testament saints? How did the Old Testament get, saints get saved by Jesus' blood before Jesus was even born? It doesn't matter from God's, God's point of view, because it was in the, I mean, you can almost say, I was going to say it was in his plan beforehand, but it wasn't his plan. He built it, and he built it all at once. So whether we happen to exist in a timeline before or after Jesus was died makes no difference. Everybody who ever was saved and anybody who ever will be saved were all saved by Jesus' blood all at once, uh, and it's outside of time. Um, uh, I'm going re- to have to come back to that point. They weren't actually saved outside of time. It was determined they would be saved out of time. They're actually saved in time, and I'll come back to that. Uh, so, okay, we've got that. Also, uh, I don't know if hopefully lots of you remember Nick's preaching a couple years back about Christophanies. Does anybody remember that? Does anybody remember what Christophanies are? That's the times in the Old Testament when many believe, and I'm included in that, that Jesus showed up uh, before, you know, in the Old Testament, before he was ever born. Same thing. This totally solves that. You have no problem understanding how Jesus could show up in the Old Testament before he was born if God's outside of time. Um, So as hard as this can be to wrap your head around, once you can, it makes a lot of things a whole lot easier. Um, For me, something that I really struggled with that clarified in my mind while I was doing research on this, Forever, I've always wondered, yes, God is an infinite, internal God, 
but I still had a hard time getting how he could die once on a cross and satisfy an infinite punishment for all these different people in one shot. And I understand, God is an infinite God, so fine, he can do that. But the fact that he's outside of time makes it even easier for me to understand that he could do this this once and it would be for everything for all time because that's what he is. He is everything. He is all time. I am that I am. Um, So, all kinds of huge ramifications on the fact that God is outside of time. Point number two, God has foreknowledge. Again, outside of time. Now, foreknowledge is defined as knowing something's going to happen before it happens. Again, we're bound somewhat by the English language to even describe this stuff because it isn't really before. There is no before. There is no after. But it's the best we can do. So predestination is when you know something's going to happen before it happens. Uh, And it's a word that's used a bunch in the Bible. Um, Now, the proof of that God predestinates, besides the fact that it, it says it word for word in the Bible multiple times, even without that, any Christian that I know of would believe that God is omnipotent. He knows everything. So regardless of whether you created the earth or not, whether it said specifically that you predestined things or not, if you know everything, then that means you know things before they happen. So there's no doubt that God knows things before they happen. However, uh, with regard to salvation, uh, foreknowledge is what you might call a red herring. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar with the term red herring, if you're reading a mystery novel and there's a clue that they throw in that seems really juicy and you think, oh, this means that so-and-so did it or whatever it is, and you follow this path and it turns out to be a rabbit hole and that's not it. That's a red herring, okay? So foreknowledge is a red herring in this case. Because, and we'll come back to, to why that is on the next point. Uh, the third point is that God predestines salvation, which is also known as election. And again, this is our third point, and it's also outside of time, because we're talking about God's point of view here. Um, I've already gone through the definition of predestination. Uh, the biblical proof is very straightforward on that. On Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, it says... According as he has, eh, try it one more time. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now those last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words are what proves that foreknowledge is a red herring. Okay, because foreknowledge would say people who believe that foreknowledge is how uh, God determines uh, election, would say, he looked forward, he knew you were going to choose, so he picked you. And that works until you get to this line here. And I do not understand how you could read this line and see anything else, because it says here, according to the good pleasure of his will. Done. Slam dunk. Uh, The other word that's important in here is to notice that it says that we were predestined that we were predestined, okay? And the reason that's important is because he's not saying we were saved outside of time. We weren't. We were saved when we received Christ in time. It's saying here we were predestined. So that's saying he knew it was going to happen, but it didn't happen yet. So out of time, election happens. Before the foundation of the earth, election happens. We don't get saved then. We get saved in time. We get saved when we receive Christ. Uh, So, God predestined salvation, a.k.a. election. 
Now is when it gets a little tricky. The fourth item, fourth item has two pages. Must be a heavy item. Fourth item is man's free will and salvation. And this happens in time. I wrote this late Sunday night. And between then and now, I had some time to think. And I'm going to have something to come back to at the end about this because I think I throw around the the term free will in here a little more loosely than I should. But I'll go through this and then I'll come back and clarify it. Um, Predestination, people have a hard time with it because not only from an ego point of view does it in some ways take away our power and our, you know, it's about me uh, and, and my choices, but in some ways it appears to go against our practical experience. I mean, I went to the store yesterday. Nobody made me go to the store. I went. I decided that I was going to go, and I went. So the practical experience isn't that you were somehow destined or forced to go to the store from your point of view. So we need to kind of dig into this some. Um, Now, foreknowledge, as I mentioned, is a red herring, and I can prove why. Everybody sit here and think of something you did yesterday. Optimally, think of something you chose to do, something maybe that your uh, husband or wife didn't tell you to do. So this is because this is a free will issue. So something that you chose to do. And you're thinking of that right now, right? So the fact that you can remember that you did that, you can't go back and change it now. You chose it then, right? But the fact that you know now that you did it then, does that in any way take away from the fact that it was your choice then? It was still your choice then, even though you remember it now, right? Am I making any sense? This is the part where I was worried about. (laughs) So it was your free will to do whatever it was you did. Go to the store yesterday, even though now you can't change it, because it was your choice. So from God's point of view, this is the same thing. Seeing that God yesterday and tomorrow were the same thing doesn't make any difference to him. The fact that he knows what you're going to do tomorrow in no way takes away from the fact that you're going to choose to do it. Just like what you did yesterday, okay? So none of this takes away from your free will. Now, there is something God doesn't take away. There is something, and this is the part that I said I was going to come back to, but I can't help myself. This is the part that I was thinking about over the last couple of days. In truth, there is some limit to your free will, but God doesn't do what you do because of your broken nature, because of the fall of man. You have limited choices, but that's you. That's not God. Um, so let's make sure we get through here. Uh, practical knowledge, we hit that. Uh, so, that's the good news. Foreknowledge, predestination, does not limit our own free will in that matter. However, when we come to something like election, something very important, um, the example has to get a little more complicated because before we were just talking about foreknowledge and now we're going to talk about election. So, under the same exact... Yeah, here's, here's the best way to do this. I, I tried to think about how can I use this yesterday example and try to project it onto this. So you went to the store yesterday, or you did whatever it was you were thinking of yesterday. I've got to stick to my notes or I'll blow this. Um, given the same exact set of circumstances today that you had yesterday, I'm telling you, today is exactly like yesterday, and you come right up to the moment where you're going to decide whether you're going to go to the store or whatever it was you're going to do, If today was exactly like yesterday, what would you do today? You would do exactly what you did yesterday. I mean, I'm talking if it was exactly the same. I mean, like, if yesterday didn't even happen. And if the next day, 
was just like that, you still, you'd pick to do the same thing. Because why? Why would you pick to do the same thing? I mean, it'd be more fun to go out to eat than to go buy groceries. But yesterday, you picked to do the responsible thing and go buy groceries instead, right? And if you were in the same exact situation again, you'd pick to do the same thing. The reason for that is, it's your nature. That's who you are. And you would pick that. Does that make sense? So, we're in the same way with this. Um, the fact that you know what you choose doesn't make it not free will. You are still using your free will to pick whatever it is that you picked, but you're picking it because that's your nature. Does that make sense? Yes, this makes sense. Good, thank you. Um, just, just, just lie to me. It's okay. Uh, so, before man is saved, we have a fallen nature. We don't want to do the things of God. And the proof of it is right here. Romans three ten through 12 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that, is un- that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. And there is none that doeth good, no, not one. And yet, I will emphasize again, none that seeketh after God. So even though we have free will, we're not going to choose to receive anything from God because it's not our nature. Now, God didn't limit our choice. We limited our choice. Um, So therefore, although you arguably had free will before you were saved, because of your fallen nature, you would never choose God. Now, when the Holy Spirit regenerates the elect, you then have a new nature. Well, if I'm a different person today than I was yesterday, and I have that same decision, you know what? I might go out to dinner tonight. I'm a different person. So uh, all of a sudden it changes. Uh, now, uh, the Holy Spirit regenerates, elect, new nature. I, I'm, I'm telling you, i got to nail this because if I try to wing it, I'm going to mess it up. Um, so your, new for, uh, your, uh, your free will will now use that new nature to choose the things of God And regeneration results in your free choice of repentance and faith. Ta-da! That was what I was trying to walk you through. So, proof of that. Romans 8, 29 and 30. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among, among many brethren, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he did also call, and whom he called, them he also justified, and in in whom he justified, them he glorified. So, when God, in his sovereignty, gives someone a new nature, in no way conflicts with the exercise of their own free will, they gladly choose to receive Christ. Now, here's the tricky part. They're all tricky parts. The time thing kind of messes with people again. Because I just laid it out in a really nice, pretty order. Regeneration, repentance, and faith. Right? And that works. I just walked it through. Yeah, works good. Problem is, you can't have regeneration without repentance and faith. You can't have it. It doesn't work. There's no way you can have... You can't be regenerated unless you have repentance and faith. So now we've got this thing, and uh, Pastor Smith has been nice enough to walk us through it a couple times. I know I've heard it a bunch of times, that chronologically, uh, they all happen at the same instant. But logically, 
they happen first regeneration, then repentance and faith, okay? So my attempt here is to kind of put that in a pop-up book format, if that makes sense. So I'm trying to think of an analogy, and I came up with one. It's not perfect, but it'll work for for this case. When you're in a car, if you're driving, if it isn't in reasonably good shape, when you push the gas, when you hit the accelerator, you go faster, right? I mean, again, and again, if it's tuned up and it's working decent, it's fairly instantaneous. It's going to happen about the same time. You're going to hit the gas, you're going to go. It happens at the same time. However, it's a causal relationship. You went faster because you hit the gas, even though it happened at the same time. Does that make sense? Same thing here. Same thing here. You got the uh, uh, repentance and faith because you were regenerated, but it happens at the same time. That's as good as I can do, guys. That's it. That's all, I'm, that's all I got, okay? So if you want better than that, you've got to find somebody better because that's a, as good as I can find. I was running when I thought of that one. I thought of that like two months ago. Why? I'm running, and I'm thinking of what he preached about, and I'm thinking, it happened at the same time, but it happened in a different order, and I think I get it, but I need an example. And that's what I came up with. So there you have it. Um, if you live in time like we do, it's hard to get. Uh, but for God, again, he's outside of time. It's no big deal. It happened at the same time, but it was actually a different order. Works for me. Um, okay, so we went through that. We went through that. Regeneration causes, yes, yes, yes. And for the most part, that was what I wanted to hit. Um, I'm hoping that that will clarify some of these issues about how time works, about how our free will works with salvation. Um, I need to mention this. I absolutely have to mention with this um, because there would be people who might want to misconstrue what I'm saying that we don't know who is elect. We don't know who's not elect. We are commanded by the Lord to spread the word. And that is how people get saved is through the foolishness of preaching. I'm proof. Uh, so, uh, this is not in any way an excuse not to go out and spread the word. As a matter of fact, you have to. It's the only way it'll work. Uh, and we don't know. Uh, I, I tell you this. I know every person who's saved is elect. Um, and uh, so, we don't know this. And it is absolutely our commandment to go out and uh, uh, spread the word. Uh, and this thought I had over the last couple days that I wanted to clarify on now that I read through this again, because I left it for two days, I wouldn't let myself read it again. I thought, this is going to be fresh when I come back. I'm not going to have it all memorized. So I wrote it late Sunday night, and I haven't read it since. And I came up in the meantime with this thing about, "Mm, you know, I'm throwing around this word free will, but I'm not quite sure if I made it clear what I meant. I really do think that we have free will, but I think that that free will is limited by original sin. Uh, The fall of man made it so, although we could choose anything, we won't because of our nature. So I, in retrospect, now that I've just gone through this, eh, yeah, it was reasonably clear, as clear as I'm going to get it anyway. Um, so uh, I thank you very much for your time. Uh, I can leave you with a couple puzzlers that I ran into that I don't have answers for if you'd like. You want to hear some puzzlers? Okay, I have some puzzlers here. One was, and this, you know, this turns out not to be quite as puzzling as I thought it was at first, but the same way God created time, God created space too. So God is completely outside of space also. 
But for some reason, people don't have as hard a time dealing with that. You know, people can like magically pop up and angels and stuff go back and forth. And we can deal with that more than we can time. And why, I don't know. But uh, that was one thing that was just kind of an interesting thing. The puzzler was, and I'm sure there's an answer, and probably somebody, you know, when the pastor's listening to the CD, hello, when you're listening to the CD, you'll probably know the answer. Um, I know that the devil is not omnipotent. He doesn't know everything. But I wonder, he's an angel. Is he outside of time? Are angels outside of time? Seems like probably they are, but I don't know. So, and there's an answer. I didn't research it. Uh, there, I, I would be very surprised if there isn't a specific answer in the Bible. So I'm just showing off that I don't know. Anyway, uh, I thank you very much for your attention, and um, I hope that uh, um, I hope that this was educational and helpful to you. Thank you very much.